Virginia. William Hill, America's number one sports book, is now here. And we have a special 2021 offer to help you bet on all your favorite sports risk-free. Download the William Hill Sportsbook app, and when you sign up, you can get started with a risk-free bet of up to $2,021. Use promo code RADIORF. Terms and conditions apply. 21 plus only. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat our confidential and toll-free helpline at 1-888-532-3500. Let's make it interesting with William Hill Sportsbook. This is David Prosper, host of The Leadership Revolution. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast from Public House Media. Welcome back to Caught Listening, the baseball show that goes beyond the white lines. Christian Eimler here with you, broadcasting every week as we do as part of the Public House Media Network. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family wherever you get your podcasts, Apple and Google Play, Spreaker.com and iHeartRadio, as well as PublicHouseMedia.org. You can also be a part of the show by finding us on social media. Just search Caught Listening by Public House Media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also email the show. Caught listening, PHM at gmail.com. We continue on with our four-part series of baseball's unwritten rules. So far, we've heard from a guy who covers the sport. We've heard from a gentleman who manages in the sport. And now we're fortunate enough to be joined by one of the guys who plays the sport and plays it currently and plays it at a high level as well. He's former major leaguer and current Chicago dog in the American Association. He's Tyler Leidendorf. Tyler, we appreciate the time, bud. Thanks so much. Absolutely. No, thanks for having me. Real quick, before we get into all this stuff, as one of the few pro ball players who's actually been on the field consistently this year uh, with the American Association, an independent league, uh, and the Chicago Dogs, what's it been like being able to play in a season that, in a year that has been so strange for everybody else? Um, I mean, just just thankful, um, to be honest with you. Obviously, with everything that's going on, uh, understand the situation, just to be able to, uh, you know, for me, come back to, you know, um, see some, see my mom, my grandma, um, you know, and and live with them for the for the little bit of this summer that we had. Um, you know, this is this, this is where I grew up, so you know, there's a little bit of a kind of an added bonus if you want to call it um, with me coming here. Uh, but no, I mean, you just with, with everything that's going on, you just you're thankful that you know you get to go out there and and just kind of run around with with, with a good group of guys. Um, no, it's, you do, you just it's uh, it's been. Considering what you would have thought would have happened this summer in May, um, you, you, you feel lucky without a doubt. For sure, for sure, 100%. And we're, we're happy to watch you play as well as, as, well as so many others. Um, it, it's, it's one of those interesting things. And, again, this is part three of our four-part series. And the unwritten rules of baseball, Tyler, are, are one of those things that you bring them up and you almost invoke a passion in people, whether it's fans, players, whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> because they can be so controversial <laughs> But for you as a guy who's been in, in, in the majors over the last couple of years and, and you've seen this, you're rec- you know, um, where did the unwritten rules come into you? When did you first hear about them or when did you first start learning about these unwritten rules? Um, I mean, probably as soon as I got, got into pro ball. Um, so, I mean, I felt like I was at an advantage um, when I was in the Gulf Coast League with the Twins when they drafted me. Um, we had Jake Maurer, Joe Maurer's older brother at the time. Well, still, obviously. Um, so when you talk about whether it's a manager that's been in the big leagues or, I mean, obviously every, every coach in pro ball is, you know, um, skilled um, at their craft. They obviously wouldn't be coaching in pro ball if they weren't. Right. But um, there's, there's just different conversations, different ways you go about it. Um, 
when you're around, when you get to the big leagues or you're around people in the big leagues, just, there's, there's just little, um, and it's probably the best way to describe it, is just the way you go about communicating, um, the analogies you make, all the little things. Um, so I felt like I was lucky to be around um, and be involved in conversation um, that had kind of that advanced communication, so to say, um, as soon as I got in the pro ball. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, I was in a good spot as far as, you know, kind of like you said, the do's and don'ts. Um, and, and then and then obviously the, the conversation about that whole gray area. Obviously you do. You got yeah. your, your do's and don'ts, but there's people, don't, you know, like you said, with the, uh, the exciting of um, kind of emotion with, any talk about that gray area, there, there's so much gray area as far as what goes on um, that it's, you know, like you said, people get emotional. <laughs> where, where does that conversation start? Because that that's, you know, like, for example, there are certain ones and there's that gray area of, of you know, throwing at guys yeah. or, or pimping a home run, whatever it is. But there yeah. are also those etiquette things like not running across a mound as, as a base runner or, you know, tapping the catcher on, on the shin guards your first A.B., where do those conversations happen? Is that something that, like, is that a spring training thing? Is that just, you know, the new guy shows up and, and, and the coach pulls you aside? I mean, how do those conversations happen? Yeah, no, um, you're right. The communication between guys, you know, during the game, um, and, and to be honest with you, the way it actually starts is when somebody does something really stupid and clearly crosses the line, um, okay. whether it's pimping a homer or, you know, feeling a base in like a nine to one game, nobody's holding mm-hmm. anybody on. Um, so it really, the conversation starts when somebody does something actually well, well across the line, so to say. Mm-hmm. And then, you know what I mean? And then it's like, Oh yeah, but then this one time, you know what I mean? And then you start bringing in, bringing up stories and instances from four or five, six years ago throughout people's careers. And then that's really how the conversation throughout with just within a team in their mindset actually gets started is when, the first instance of whether somebody on your team or the other team just does something, whether it's just, you know, a lapse in judgment at the time or they, you know, whether they intentionally pimp a homer or intentionally steal a base in a, in a blowout, you know, little, it, it really is when someone does something that crosses the line, then that's when the conversation about not only that instance, but then also the, the gray area and whatnot um, comes in. So, yeah, no, it's really just, Nobody really talks about it until somebody does something stupid. You know, it's probably the easiest way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it makes a lot of sense, but it also kind of goes into, and you've been in enough clubhouses to know this, kind of that clubhouse culture too because it could be, yeah. for example, when you were with Oakland as opposed to now where you're in independent baseball, you've got guys with different experiences, different veteran status, and, and different, um, you know, upbringings in the game so to speak so it, does it change with each clubhouse does it change with each uniform that you put on and which with each guy that's part of that team yeah no you, you gotta be you gotta be realistic um with where you're at uh, not only your situation everybody else in your in, in your clubhouse's situation but then also the guys you're going up against like um you know whether it's so in a 6-1 game for guy bunts well that's a huge part of this game in this league it'd be like well He's trying to get back to, you know, affiliated ball, so you're not going to necessarily get mad at a guy in this league for bunting in a 6 or 7-1 game, whereas in the big league, if you bunted in a 6 or 7-1 game, there'd probably be a lot of chirping, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of weird looks. Right. So, um, no, you just got to be realistic with, uh, with just a scenario um, in, in totality, um, and that's taking into consideration everybody that's obviously involved um, with each different instance um, and just what – just kind of the reasoning behind maybe – 
you don't look at something, you know, the way he does. And so, yeah, no, you just got to keep everybody's perspective um, kind of to the forefront. And I feel like if, if people did that, you, you, you'd, you'd avoid, uh, I mean, just the, the unnecessary dean ball, so to say, and all that, all that, you know, all that stuff that obviously nobody really wants to see. Mm-hmm. Talking with Tyler Ladendorf, former major leaguer, current professional baseball player in the American Association of Independent Baseball. I, I'm interested because you've been to the big leagues um, a couple of times. Does the dynamic around unwritten rules or the conversations um, around unwritten rules change when you get to the show as opposed to minor leagues or independent baseball? Yeah, it changes as far as the in the big league, you should, you better, you, you're not should, you better know what should and shouldn't be done in certain scenarios. Um, so in the big leagues, the first time it happens, like somebody's probably going to get hit. Whereas in the minor leagues, there's some conversation, maybe like when, if I did something stupid, next time I got to second base, like their shortstop would be like, Hey man, like don't do that. Or, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. in the minor leagues, there's a lot more scenarios where um, I feel like before it, it gets escalated, um, there would be a chance to diffuse the situation. But because when you talk about the big leagues, like there's just a certain level of information that would have kind of expected to have been attained throughout the course of your career before you got there to where anything that kind of clearly crosses the line, it's really kind of a, a you know, not so much an eye for an eye, but there's no like, okay, my bad. Like, no, you kind of messed up. Like whether it's you or they're, they're there needs to be kind of repercussions in the big leagues every time somebody does something clearly, you know, when they cross the line, if that kind of makes sense. For, for lack of a better term, the, the minor leagues are almost like your, your internship in unwritten rules. It's a chance for you to learn and a chance yeah. for you to fail in those situations and, yeah. and, and be taught those as opposed to when you get to the majors, it's, listen, you've already, you better know now at this point. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Take me through some of these because, again, you know, for, for many of our listeners, many of them haven't played at the level, I, I would venture to say, 99.5% of them haven't, haven't uh, played it at ball at, the, at your <laughs> level. So some of them are a little interesting, and I think some of them are where you, know, you can kind of get it. Like, And I'm going to bring up Alex Rodriguez twice here because he's the one that in recent memory at the Major League level I think people relate to most recently. The first one being mm-hmm. don't yell – I got it when you're running the base paths. That seems like a logical one. Okay, don't be that guy. But then the other one that I think a lot of people, when it happened, nobody realized that was one of those unwritten rules, and that's when he walked across the mound with Dallas Braden on the hill in in, in the game against Oakland. I mean, those two situations take us through, like, as a player, uh, and where your head might be in those situations and, and why those things are kind of so important. Um, so, I mean, the, the walking across the mound, um, I mean, that's kind of a deal where because it's a mound and it would make more sense to even though if you had to veer a few feet out of the way to stay on a flat surface, that would make the most sense to stay in the grass. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to jog or run up a slanted and then another right. slanted surface. So it was kind of the idea that, like, hey, it's not so much about running over the mound as, like, I mean, we've seen crazy things. I mean, what if you ran over the mound and twisted an ankle, like, just running? And so I think that was the idea of behind it, the fact that he just kind of not went out of his way to go over the mound, but was like, hey, by the way, even though you're right here standing, I mean, it would be different if Dallas Braden was, like, 
you know, way over, but he wasn't that far away off the mound. So right. I think it was kind of, uh, uh, and let's, let's, let's not, you can't, you cannot forget the aura that Alex Rodriguez knew he had versus the aura that Dallas Braden had. Like you're talking about right. kind of some guy that not a whole lot of people know, mm-hmm. and this is Alex Rodriguez. So it is undoubtedly a little bit of that intimidation, but yeah, no, I think that any competitive pitcher would have, would have done what Dallas Braden did and said, Hey man, like if you're, it, it wasn't so much of, hey, get the F off my mound, as right. so much, if you're trying to intimidate me, that's not going to work right now. Well, and, and, I, and, and he, he chose different words, obviously, but right. I think that was the gist of it. It's interesting you bring up the aura surrounding Rodriguez, because that's one of those things that we see it in the NBA or in the NFL, the veteran guys, the superstar gets the call, so to speak, superstar treatment yep. and, and whatnot. Yep. A guy like Alex Rodriguez versus a guy like, you know, no offense, but like let's say you guys are on the same team, Tyler Ladendorf, who maybe doesn't have the, the same cachet, so to speak, uh, with the national mm-hmm. media. How much does that play into, you know, who can, quote unquote, toe the line of those unwritten rules? Well, here, 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 would, be my, here would be the question I have for you is, if I ran across the mound on Garrett Cole, what do you think the conversation would be? <laughs> it's not going to be pleasant, I'm pretty sure of that. <laughs> It's, let's let's just I, I think if you if you want to be honest let's let's flip it and see if it was some kind of bench player hitter running across the mound on Garrett Cole there would be I, you can imagine the stuff that would be you know the chirping that would be going on uh, not only at that instance but then also whether it be on Twitter and after the pack so um, no like like you said the the fact that it was Alex Rodriguez um, it wasn't so much of um, in Dallas Braden's reaction of get off my mound as so much like, hey, if you're trying to intimidate me, which is 100% what Alex Rodriguez was trying to do, and make sure, hey, in case you forgot, I'm Alex Rodriguez and I play for the New York Yankees. Right. That That's really, I feel like, all it was in, in Dallas Braden was just basically letting them know, hey, like, that, that's, we get it. You're, you're the Yankees. You're, you're Alex Rodriguez, but I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to compete, you know? Right. And so, yeah, no, I mean, uh, no, but it, it's funny when I think about, like, if I were going to do it, you know, on Garrett Cole or somebody, <laughs> Trevor Bauer, you know, I mean. It's, or a guy like Scherzer who's cursing at you just for waking up, you know, like guys like those, you know, just have those 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 mean streaks in them. So um, it's, yeah. it's definitely, yeah. definitely funny. Uh, talking with Tyler Ladendorf here, professional baseball player, former major leaguer, about the unwritten rules of baseball. You're what I, I I think it's safe to say you're one of those veteran guys in, in any clubhouse you step into, considering the experience that you've been in um, and, and the, the, the places that you've been in your baseball career. What kind of responsibility do you take if you have a younger guy on your team or maybe on the opposing team? You mentioned, I, I know I've been following you throughout the summer, and I know you had one of those instances where it's it's a blowout game and a kid steals second on you. I mean, it's it's yes, it's defensive indifference uh, because of the point in the game, but for you as a veteran, what kind of responsibility do you take to be one of those teachers of these unwritten rules? Yeah, no, you just, I mean, and, you know, obviously you got to at times, like, uh, and for that instance in, in general, my, the way I approach or kind of worded it to him probably could have been better, but ultimately, no, as long as you basically, and and he, the next, the very next day, you know, came and said, like, hey, man, like, you know, it was just really uh, – just kind of a brain fart and yeah um so i mean it's it's really just a deal where hey if ultimately regardless of what it said in the moment and the heat of the moment yeah you can't necessarily put a high price tag on that but if somebody comes up to you the day after and it's like um 
hey, like, like, it's not even about, like, I was wrong or you were right. It's, hey, like, it's, uh, like, we're good. What what happened shouldn't happen. And, and it, 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 regardless of what, like I said, is what is said in the heat of the moment, it is, if, if you can just essentially remind people um, of just the little things that shouldn't, shouldn't happen, um, then that ultimately, as an older guy, that's really all you can ask for. So, no, I mean, it's, it's um, it's going to happen. Um, you would play too many games for brain parts not to happen. Right. If you're going to be honest. Uh, so, uh, but no, if, if 24 hours later, um, a guy comes up to you and says, like, hey, man, like, you, you were right. Like, I shouldn't have done that. Regardless of what was said, like, we're good. And it's like, yeah, no, we're good. Then that's, that's, that's what, you know, more than getting in the big leagues, that's, that's what you talk about, like, uh, leaving a legacy is when, you know, it's just little things like that. Um, you, like you said, you're only going to play this game for so long. And so, no, without a doubt, being a veteran guy, um, if there's a little ways like that that, you know, people will keep my name going, um, that's, I mean, like I said, that's all you can ask for. I've been asking everybody this question because I think it's an interesting dynamic when it comes to the unwritten rules. There are those instances in a game, for example, a bat flip or swinging 3-0 when you're up quite a bit. Um, or but there's also those instances that occur semi-off the field, whether it be a guy like Jim Booten with his book Ball Four that kind of exposes the clubhouse culture, or it be like what the Astros did in terms of their cheating scandal and how those impact those quote-unquote unwritten rules of baseball. For you, which one is a bigger infraction? Is it something that happens in the moment of a game, a bat flip, you know, spikes high on a slide? Or is it something that really hurts the integrity of the game, something like what the Astros did? The integrity of the game, in a sense of, so what do you, what do you, when you start writing books and start exposing, like, stuff that majority of people would agree that shouldn't be exposed, then I, I can't. It, it's tough to jump on board with that. And then, obviously, with the integrity of the game, when you talk about premeditated cheating, it's not so much cheating in the, in the moment. Mm-hmm. So we're not like we're not talking about obviously there's a huge difference when we talk about in the moment the runner on second letting the hitter know a fastball on tide coming. Right. It's when you talk about premeditated like obviously with the you know use of video and whatnot. Um, it was it was so premeditated and so um, egregious in the thought process and the planning of it, and and so it, it I guess would probably be the best way to, to differentiate them would be the um, the planning of the cheating and whatnot versus just the in the moment oh fastball inside and right. that's where just you talk about the integrity of the game it's just the idea uh, is just you're, you're, the crossing of the line is so um, egregious at that point um, would probably be the best way to describe it had a chance last week to speak with a guy who you played for uh, last year. Full disclosure, Tyler actually played on the High Point Rockers, so I've known him personally now for a couple of years. Um, and spoke with your manager, Jamie Keith, last year or last week uh, about these unwritten rules as well. And I'm, I'm kind of intrigued because so many people, it, it feels like it, when I talk about unwritten rules, it all comes back to the pitcher and like we're protecting their egos or something like that. Um, you know how Jamie we, feels about feel pitchers. Like, yeah, no, I feel like we're going. We're getting into the three zero, the three zero talk right now. 
a, a little bit, yeah. But so, so I mean, where does that come from? Because again, when you're sitting there, and your job, especially in, in independent baseball, you're trying to get back to affiliated ball. You're trying to get back to the majors. Or a guy like Tatis Jr., who who hits a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch up seven in the seventh inning, he's trying to further his numbers to get paid to to fulfill that stuff for his family. Yeah. And yet he's getting criticized because a pitcher couldn't make a better 3-0 pitch. Until, so, and when you talk about the big leagues, when we talk about the money involved in the big leagues, until they change the pay structure for rookies and whatnot, you have to be, you you can't put Tatis swinging 3-0 and what his potential earnings in that 3-0 swing and four RBIs and a grand slam do versus Mike Trout swinging 3-0. Mike Trout already has guaranteed money. Fernando Tatis is still on a league minimum. So the idea that just for monetarial, just just the monetarial sake, the idea of ever really giving up, you know, a single pitch until you have, you know, a 10-year, $300 million um, deal in place is is kind of crazy when you look back at it. Like, he's just trying to do better to essentially make more money, maybe not even next year or the following year, but in three, four, five years and then for the rest of his life. So, but ultimately, here's the deal, is unless, and we, we talk about the unintentional, intentional loss, and that's, that's how you get 3-0. The pitcher's trying to pitch around the hitter, but if, if you're trying to do that, the unintentional, intentional walk, what you're saying is, hey, we want to try and strike you out if you're willing to swing at balls, but we don't want to just put you on for free. Right. So with that being said, the idea of now, hey, and, and I and I there were a couple of these I had this conversation with the other day here. I said, Do you know how hard it is to just get two oh in the big league, to just take two balls? Do you know and I said I thought it was up, do you know how hard it is to just hit a lazy ground ball middle in the big league? Everybody is so good, it is so hard to get just a single hit in the big league. And I said, Do you know how hard it is to get into a predictable count in the big league? Because every pitcher is either ninety five to hundred and can throw a second third, possibly a fourth pitch for a strike. So I said the idea of maybe four or five pitches throughout the course of a game being predictable, and it's he did the work to get to that point. It's hard to get 3-0 in the big leagues. It's hard. Like, it doesn't happen a whole lot. So the idea that he put in the work to get into a predictable pitch count, whether it's 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, like, that that mindset is not going to change for him. And so, yeah, no, I mean – the people that get mad at him swinging 3-0 regardless of the score, um, they just they don't understand how hard it is to get a hit in general, let alone the big league. And then they just are not even – they're oblivious to the monetarial situation of a guy like Fernando Tatis versus like a Cano or Trout or some of these guys that are financially set already. 100%. So on multiple, on multiple levels, it's, um, it's naive to, to, get, to essentially be angry at him swinging 3-0 right there. 100%, and it's a, it's a different way of looking at it that I don't think a lot of people are. They're looking at a, genera- a, a potentially generational talent who's eventually going to make that kind of money, but that money's not guaranteed, yeah, he so is. he's got to do no, whatever he not. can. So, um, But that's, that's, that's definitely an interesting way of looking at it. We're talking with Tyler Ladendorf, former major leaguer and, prof- and current professional baseball player here on Caught Listening. Every week we like to give our fans an opportunity to ask some questions, and so we've got a couple here about these unwritten rules. This is one that I'm affectionately calling the Joe Kelly question because we've gotten it almost every single week to ask to everybody. <laughs> okay. As, put yourself in that Dodgers dugout. 
when he's going and he's buzzing the tower of guys like Bregman and, and, and Correa, what's your mentality if a teammate is doing something like that in those kind of situations? Man, that's tough. Um, obviously, it's you're going to stand up for your guy. You're, you're going to back your guy, obviously. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. You're, you're going to be out there, obviously, when the bench is clear. But you, it's, you're right. Joe Kelly is sticking up for the integrity of the game by doing it, but he's also putting a lot of people in awkward positions um, mm-hmm. because it, it'd be, it's different. And the one slider at Correa's head wasn't obviously intentional, um, but the uh, the the 3-0 fastball up, up where he threw it on Bregman, here's the right. deal, because it's not so much about hitting someone in the head and killing them. It's about, well, even just shattering like an eye socket could like blind someone. Right. So like, it's it's because of, and, and I mean, but it, 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 at the end of the day, like they cheated to win a World Series. So the the raw emotion in the moment, you can't you can't even try and fathom where certain guys are at. It's 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 unrealistic to try and you know think about what he they feel like they went to seven games and they got cheated and they should have won. And it's like you talk about legacies changing with or without a ring. You know what I mean? Yeah. You you know. I don't got to explain that to you. So you understand the raw emotion. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, if I'm Joe Kelly's teammate, I'm running out there, obviously, and letting, you know, letting everybody know that, I, you know, I'm there, I'm behind them. But behind closed doors, it's probably a conversation where, hey, man, because – you know, I don't. I, I don't. I, I know. I know. Um, Alex Bregman doesn't have kids, but I do. And so, if that's me, I'm like, hey, man, like, just don't rob him of like being able to afterlife of baseball. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I, I feel like ultimately that's where you just where you draw the line. Um, but that's like I said, in the moment, you're undoubtedly backing your guy. But behind closed doors, it's maybe just a quick conversation. Um, just say maybe a little bit lower. Got no problem with the message you're trying to send there. Um, but just maybe not where you where you went there. But no, I mean, you you feel like you got cheated. Um, it's you 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 are undoubtedly in the right for feeling like you have a right to respond. Um, but maybe not just the way he did. That was all. Hundred uh, percent. Last question here for you, and this is one that we we got a couple of weeks ago, and I'm really excited to finally ask this one. When is it appropriate to pimp a homer? Um. I'd say if you hit, I'd say probably once you get, once you, I mean, nowadays, once you hit 100, if you hit 100, you've probably got at least four years in the big leagues, or you've already hit 30 in multiple years. But no, I feel like if you can hit 35 or 40 back-to-back years, you probably already earned the right to, to let people know when you get them. Um, or if you've been hit, or yeah, if you've been hit, or somebody in front of you has been hit, or somebody's been intentionally walked in front of you then you can let them know. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a little bit of disrespect towards you before you even step in, it's okay yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. If you, like I said, so yeah, no, if you've been hit, if you've hit enough, you've been hit, or you've been disrespected before you get in. I like the way you said that. <laughs> Tyler, we appreciate the time as always. I know you're finishing up the season here this week in the American Association. Happy that you were able, on a personal note, like I said, I've known you for a couple of years, happy for you to be able to keep playing, happy for you to be able to do it in your hometown outside of Chicago, and uh, looking forward to, to hopefully seeing you back on the field again next year. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Appreciate you having me, big dog. 
All right, it's Ty Ladendorf, uh, former big leaguer and current pro ball player in the Independent League American Association with the Chicago Dogs. And, and just real quick, because we, we've brought it up each of the last three weeks, but one note, and, and this is the last thing I'll say at least on it, on the Joe Kelly side of things, a lot of people have been saying he wasn't even on the Dodgers in 2017. No, he was not, but he was on the Red Sox team that the Astros also cheated on in the rounds prior to advance there. So he has every right to go out and do that. Um, maybe not at the head, as we've talked about last week with Jamie Keefe, this week with Tyler. You're you're potentially impacting someone's future outside of baseball, and that's the wrong way to certainly do it. Well, next week, we conclude our four-part series of Baseball's Unwritten Rules, and we finally bring in a guy who can defend all the people we have been, I don't, I don't want to say bashing over the last three weeks, but a pitcher, a former big league pitcher, a former World Series champion, Cy Young winner too, is going to join us on the show next week to talk about the unwritten rules of baseball. If you have questions, find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Caught Listening by Public House Media, or email the show, caughtlisteningphm at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, share us with your friends and family. Until next week, I'm Christian Heimel. You have been Caught Listening. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.